And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Well, beloved congregation of the Lord, today is a day in which we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the Lord Jesus Christ, out of his great love for his church, sought to give two visible ordinances, two sacraments, in order to support and strengthen the faith of his precious believers. There is that sacrament of baptism. Through the washing of water, we see that sacrament of the initiation of the elect child of God into the church. That sacrament which pictures for us the entrance into the kingdom of Christ and the visible church of God and all the blessings of union with Christ. But just as important and just as precious is the Lord's Supper, a sacrament which speaks of the nourishing and the feeding upon Christ, just as physical food and drink is essential for the growth and maturity and strength of our physical health, so also feeding upon Jesus Christ by faith, it is a most necessary grace in the life of the Christian. It is never something we outgrow, never something that we take for granted. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And compared to maybe some other churches, the simplicity with which we celebrate the Lord's Supper may, may be rather stark and, and difficult to understand. It, it is very simple. We have the bread and the wine. We have a table. And we read and we reflect upon what Jesus said upon the giving of this sacred ordinance. But in the simplicity of it, we have a treasure of inestimable spiritual worth. We have a precious gift from the king of the church. And in order that we would rightly value this wonderful love gift from Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, I would put before you these words in which Jesus spoke. In verse 19, this do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. In order to unfold something of what the Lord Jesus intended by these words, let us see the command, then the reasoning, and finally the response. The command, the reasoning, And the response. The Lord Jesus Christ is not only the Savior, He is the head of His church. He is our commander in chief. Every command which He gives unto 
his people is a word with solemn divine authority. And this no less than any other command which he has given. Do this. Something is to be done. The taking of bread. The taking of wine. The eating and the drinking. These are to be done at the command of Jesus Christ. This do in remembrance of me. I would note that if, in order to understand the true weight of this command, we ought to attend carefully to the circumstances around it. Did you notice, children, that when we read from the scriptures, there was a very interesting statement given where it spoke of the Passover being killed there in verse 7. Well, what is that talking about, children? The Passover being killed. You see, the church of the Jews, the people of God in those days, each year one of their most solemn feasts was this feast of the Passover. And it involved the killing of, of a little lamb. Imagine that. Maybe your, your family all year year long was raising this precious little sheep with its its white curly fur and then would come the day where you would come with your family to Jerusalem and on that day that little lamb would have to be killed the killing of the Passover lamb that was something that Jesus instructed his disciples to do they they had to actually take a lamb with them to the courtyard of the temple there in Jerusalem. They had to tell the, the people there at the, at the temple, the priests, that, that they had brought this for the feast of the Passover. They had to say how many people would be receiving this feast of the Passover. And there... That those priests, they would slay that lamb. They would, they would take off its, its skin. They would, they would burn its fat upon the altar. They would sprinkle its blood upon the foot, the foot of that altar. And then they would take that lamb and they would roast it. And that was the central part of the Passover meal. What was... The purpose of this. This was appointed as, for example, you can read in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14, as a way of remembering the Lord's deliverance of the past. You see there in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And what were they remembering? They were remembering the very first Passover meal that had been established. When the people of Israel, groaning under the tyranny and the bondage of Egypt, being slaves to Pharaoh, slaving away to make bricks, For their cruel masters. And the Lord Jehovah sends that deliverer Moses. Sends these terrible plagues 
upon that evil land. And culminating, of course, in the slaying of the firstborn, when the firstborn of every house was slain by the angel of the Lord in vengeance and judgment from God. But not so for those who partook of that Passover meal, for those who had this lamb slain, for those who took the blood of that lamb and and put it over the doorposts of their houses, the angel of the Lord passed over them. The Passover. And this was remembered. This was remembered every year. It was remembered how the Lord brought them out of that land of Egypt and brought them into a good land, a good inheritance, flowing with milk and honey. And now here is Jesus celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. And it's no small detail. He uh, emphasizes it. In verse 15, he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He wants them to know that this has been the yearning of his heart. This has been his desire that to be with his disciples, he would enjoy this final meal before his death. And you think of the symbolism. There before them is the, the Passover lamb. There they've, they've consumed this lamb which stood in the place of the firstborn and stood in the place of the, um, of the one who would be slain by the angel of the Lord. Because this lamb had been a substitute, they had been spared. And whereas before they would remember that great act of deliverance, now Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Not the deliverance of the past, but a new deliverance, a new exodus, a great and mighty act of God redeeming his people from the power of sin, death, and the devil. Christ, the Lamb of God, John the Baptist said, who taketh away the sin of the world. Here is the true Passover. It is all fulfilled. It was always pointing ahead to this, the great and mighty work of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. And he doesn't want us to miss it. He doesn't want us to get distracted. He would want us to continue to remember him throughout all ages in the future. His mighty work of salvation. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, congregation, Christianity that is not focused upon Jesus Christ is not worthy of the name. A Christless Christianity which diverts our attention to any other place than beholding him who is the true Passover lamb that is but an accursed idolatry and a stench in the nostrils of God and it brings no peace to the soul it brings no true joy to the heart but where our hearts are fastened towards him 
Where we remember him, that is where it is well. But notice not only this command given at the Passover, but given in special love. Special love. It just radiates through this whole passage, doesn't it? And he took the bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Jesus has infallible, perfect knowledge of the future. The true Son of God, he sees exactly what will be before him. There before him, in this close circle of his his dearest friends, there is one who has set his heart against him. The devil has entered into Judas. He will soon be betrayed into the hands of wicked men. He will be scourged and beaten, stripped of of his clothing. He will be nailed to the cross. He sees all that suffering that lies before him. But he is determined to go on as it has been appointed to him. Surely wherever we would, would feel a betrayal right at that point in our lives, feel as though those closest to us have turned against us, then the temptation at that point would be to what? Focus purely upon self and upon the pity and woe of, of the suffering associated with them. Likewise, when we're experiencing physical suffering or, or spiritual grief, then that is something that sometimes the best we can do is just, just endure and carry on. But here is one who in the midst of seeing the agony that lies ahead of him, the spiritual anguish of being forsaken of God and accursed for the sake of sinners, he sees it all before him and he is consumed with love. For his dear ones. Do this, he says, in remembrance of me. Do not forget this. As I am focused upon you and your salvation, let this be the token of my love. Do this in remembrance of me. O congregation, You think about that glorious reality set forth in Ephesians chapter 5, that just as wives submit to their, uh, their husbands, so also the church is pictured there as the very bride of Christ. And Christ is our heavenly bridegroom, our heavenly husband. And where you know that there is a loving husband who cherishes his wife, who loves his wife, who provides for his wife his instructions and commands as her spiritual head. They are not burdensome, but they are sweet to follow. They are those that come from a heart that desires to cherish and to build up and, yes, correct when necessary and and to guide in the way of holiness and purity. 
It's a beautiful thing to have a loving husband. And a beautiful thing to submit to his commands. What greater husband could the church of Jesus Christ have? What more loving husband? What wonderful commands he gives to do this in remembrance of me. But I'd note further that it's not only uh, the command that I would have us consider, but also the reasoning behind it. I want to take a closer look here and, and to ask this question, that why this command? Why does Jesus say, do this in remembrance of me? Well, surely the, the reason for that is that we are prone to forget we are prone to forget Jesus Christ. And it might be, be a shocking thing to consider that even believers, those who have a, a lawful right and a duty to partake of the Lord's Supper, that these should be those that are tempted to forget the Lord Jesus Christ. But dear child of God, examine your heart. Do you not know it to be so? How many things are pressuring you to forget Lord Jesus Christ and his love for you. We consider the temptations of sin. Those things which God has spoken an anathema against is those things that will drive you away from his presence and blessing. Those things which you know the Lord disproves of and yet the temptation comes to turn away from the pleasures of righteousness and holiness and turn to the ways of sin. And what is succumbing to that sin? It is not just a violating of this or that rule. It is forgetting Jesus Christ, your loving Lord and Savior. If you would but remember the Lord Jesus, how, what he has done for you, how he has loved you all the way to the end, even to the bitter death of the cross. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What greater friend have we than the Lord Jesus Christ? Ought that not to constrain us? Ought not to constrain us to ward off those temptations, to flee from every idolatry and sin. And yet we forget, you know it. The world with all its enticements, the devil with all of his ferocity, your own sinful flesh, it is driving you away from him, away from meditating upon his works, away from communing with his glorious person, away from delighting in him. And so the Lord Jesus reminds us we must do this in remembrance of him. But not only sin, all sorts of things, they would drive us away from the remembrance of the Lord. Think of the best things of life. Your work, your play, your family, even your religious duties. Take any one of them and just take them as a thing in, them, in themselves, as a thing which you can set your mind to, as a thing which you can devote your energy to. But if it is separated from the love of Christ, what is it? It is nothing. If we have no love for Christ, how is it that anything can be pleasing to God? If we would do anything for Christ in the way of his service, but forget him in the process, 
And how can we expect that to amount to anything whatsoever? It is just will worship. It is just idolatry. It is just self-righteousness. It's just pride. But if it is for him, if it is out of a heartfelt love for him, well, that is true life. To live is Christ. Everything must point to him. Everything must be about him. Do this in remembrance of me, he says. So many things arrayed against us to drive us away from the memory of Christ that he would fade, fade as a distant memory, fade and seem so distant from us that we would live for the things of sight and touch and, and the passing pleasures of sin. It is a very natural thing in one way. So dark is our hearts. But consider the reasoning of this command. Do this in remembrance of me. Not only is there a danger of forgetting, but here is an aid to remembering. This, the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus has not left himself without the means of securing his memory throughout all ages. He has given unto us as, as one of those aids this, the supper of the Lord. Where you come up here, where you sit down, where you receive into your hand the precious uh, bread and the precious wine, these things which Jesus Christ designs for you as a believer for the strengthening of your faith. Do not take it as just another ritual. Do not think of it as just another routine. Do not think about it as something you can do half-heartedly or with a distracted mind. No. This is to be done in remembrance of him. Notice those words which should echo in our ears. This is my body which is given for you. My body. It will be broken. It will be scourged. My blood will be poured forth for you. I will experience the unimaginable pain and agony. Not for myself, for I, the Lord Jesus would say, have perfectly honored the Lord. And yet I do it out of love for you, dear one. I go to the cross for you. I've broken my body for you. And shall I give you this gift? And shall you not remember it? Think of how the Lord Jesus spoke about his glorious person in this way, in John chapter 6, verse 53. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Incredible spiritual promise given here. That as the physical mouth consumes the bread and drinks the wine, we with our hearts by faith are eating and drinking from the true spiritual food and drink, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has died on the cross and ascended unto the highest heaven after he rose from the dead. His glorious person, true God and true man, he is united unto us by that living faith, by the bond of his powerful Holy Spirit. He unites us unto himself as the source of all of our life, as the source of all of our power, as the one whom our life goes out unto and receives everything from. If we will not eat and drink the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, there can be no life in us. It is not the case that to become a Christian, there's that initial moment of saving faith where you say, I'm going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to trust in him, and then you have nothing to do with him anymore. No, your whole life long, it must be nourished by him. It just says, Every day you continually need more food and drink in your physical body. Every day, if you would go unto the Lord Jesus Christ, you would find what you need for your spiritual health. But here, in the visible ordinance, in this sacrament of the supper, we have a means whereby the Lord Jesus reminds us of these things. Think of the genius of the Lord Jesus setting forth in this simple way a solemn promise which we can take as sure and reliable and steadfast. He says this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. And that testament or that covenant it is a solemn promise from Christ himself that all those who believe upon him shall have all their sins forgiven and they shall be brought into newness of life and be raised up on the last day. They will never be separated from his love. When you partake of this supper, do it with that, with the sight of his great promise that is pictured for you in this wonderful means of bringing you to remembrance. Let's note not only the command and the reasoning, but finally the response. The response. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And we're reminded here, aren't we, that faith is something active. To truly exercise saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is an act of the will. It is a choice of the heart which the Holy Spirit works in us. That we actively receive him by faith. But so also you, believer, you who have your place here at the table of the Lord, you must receive him as he has said. It is not a suggestion, it is a command that you receive Christ, that you actively receive him in the way that he has offered himself to you here in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Take him, eat him, drink him by faith. This is what the Lord Jesus desires of you. I speak not as 
as one who speaks for himself. I speak as his messenger. I speak in Christ's stead. With all the authority of the Son of God, believer, I say to you, do this. Do this in remembrance of him. And the thing to understand, congregation, is that where we do that, where we receive him in obedience to this command, it is a confession, a confession of him. I think that this is is really a, a precious part of this whole instruction that he gives. Where this is done in remembrance of him, there is that public declaration that your hope is found in none other than Jesus Christ. The true faith in the heart, it it cannot just live there, can it? No, it must be expressed. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is the word of the Lord Jesus Christ himself to you today. If you would have him as your Savior, you must confess him before men. Here in the sacred assembly, in the presence of all the Lord's people, in the presence of brothers and sisters in the Lord, confess him, believer. Confess him as you remember what he has done for you, as you remember his agonies, as you remember his love, as you remember his beauty, as you remember his tenderness. Do that in front of all of us. May it be to the mutual encouraging of us all as we see fellow believers taking the Lord Jesus Christ and feeding upon him. Let us remember that we are not left without hope, but that each one of us find our common salvation in this, our heavenly food and drink, the Lord Jesus himself. And may all the enemies of Christ tremble that there is a people that confesses the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May all the demons of hell see what takes place here in our congregation this morning, that we confess not a mere man, but he who became the Son of Man, though he was equal with God, that we confess the one who has conquered and risen from the grave and who is Lord of lords and King of kings. May all of the forces of darkness, whether in government or society or false religions, may all of the fortresses of hell be, be trembling and be shattered because of what God is doing here in our midst, bringing sinners into confession and honoring of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this most of all, congregation, when we confess the Lord Jesus Christ, let us remember that he sees, he notices, for he is not distant from us. At no time is he absent from us in his spirit and power and divinity. Even as he, according to his flesh, is enthroned upon high, he has promised that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of him. And do you not think, believer, that as you come up here and feast upon Jesus Christ, that it brings delight unto the soul of your Savior, that even you are the object of his delight and desire, and that his heart burns in love for you?
Just as a husband cherishes his wife, is ravished by her, so also the Lord Jesus adores his bride, the church. He has purchased her with his very blood. He has endowed her with beautiful graces of love and faith and hope. We belong to him. Give him his heart's desire, child of God. Do this. Do this in remembrance of him. And may he receive all the honor and the glory and the praise.